I'm Rogers Healy. I'm the host of Rogers That, an entire podcast dedicated to selling without selling out. And I cannot think of a more appropriate guest than somebody that I have, um, I've loved, I've looked up to him. I've had some of my fondest memories of my entire life. Uh, than our guest today, his name is Dave Osco. In the world of celebrity, just in the world, he's known as Davo. He owns the term Davo. Uh, and, and before we get Dave talking, I want to give a little bit of background on him because when you think of someone who is well-connected, I think that Dave O really epitomizes that term. Uh, so much so to where he actually is the founder of a company we're going to get to in a minute that actually has the word connector in it. But he is a passionate man. He's a heartfelt man. He loves his friends well, and he is loved by literally everybody. Davo is the Beach Boys of people because no one does not love the Beach Boys. Uh, and today we're going to have a conversation that ranges from our background of meeting back when I was a failed actor in LA and Dave was one of the first people in the celebrity space to really be kind to me all the way to his journey now as an entrepreneur and for, uh, for being a connector, he does such an incredible job of staying genuine the entire way. So uh, Dave, with all that being said, thanks for being a part of this today. I really appreciate it. My pleasure, brother. And uh, the hair looks great as always. Thank you. Um, it, it's really baffling that you didn't make it in Hollywood. Just baffling, pal. You know, let's be honest. I was there for a long nine months. And I think Devo <laughs> actually was one of the people that brought me to a place called the Commerce Casino, which was the world's <laughs> largest poker casino. And the money my parents gave me for rent was blown learning how to go and play poker. So um, maybe maybe one day I can come back out there. But but Dave, just so people can get a glimpse into who you are and what's made you a, 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 an incredibly successful business person, entrepreneur, but mostly just a man, uh, give us a little bit of background. And before I forget y'all, um, Dave is the greatest follow on social media, period, end of story, it doesn't matter. If you ever want to feel respectfully insignificant, just go to his, his Instagram post at any time of day and you're like, damn it, I thought I had it figured out. There's Davo on a two on a three wheel motorcycle with Hulk Hogan, uh, but Dave, give, give us give us some background before we get into the questions. Well, background in terms of you know my career and uh, where it ended up is interesting because I actually originally went to school to become an orthodontist because um, I thought <laughs> yeah I I thought it was a good solid job that my parents would be proud of. Um, I was a biology major in college, and uh, I ran into some friends from high school, and they were like, "What are you doing?" And I'm like, what do you mean? I'm going to be an orthodontist. And they're like, that's a waste of like your God-given ability to communicate, to connect with people. And I'm like, what are you talking about? I'll have a cool office. I'll probably marry one of my dental hygienists. I'll have a great relationship with my patients and I'll have like a good little life. And they were like, ah, I don't know if that's your path. And it actually was crazy because that one conversation kind of made me reevaluate things. Um, and then I ended up getting into public speaking um, through that because I was always like really outgoing and really loved talking to people. And next thing you know, I was still a bio major, but then I minored in speech communication. I ended up doing a lot of public speaking events and ended up where I am, where I am now, which is kind of crazy. Where'd you go to college? Uh, Cal State Northridge. Really? I thought God, you're such a Philly fan. You, I thought you would have said something like in Temple in Philadelphia. Like Temp temples in Philadelphia. One of my uncles went there. Um, and the only reason I didn't leave was because I was so incredibly close to my family. My mom and my grandma, my dad, my mom was like, you're not going anywhere. <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay. You know, so that was kind of interesting. 
nothing wrong with being a mama's boy said from a guy who lives three blocks from his parents so yeah um I, I got no shame in that okay uh and again the fascination factor y'all just just trust me when i say this dave and, and as you fall in love with him over the course of this conversation watch what he does with his time and how he squeezes every ounce of life out so much so to where i live in the central time zone he lives in the pacific time zone i'll get on instagram at 5 a.m and he's not even thinking about going to bed yet because there's life to live. What got you where you're at today? How, what, what's the uh, secret? I think the secret is genuine, genuine relationships, um, ultimate, ultimate honesty. And that's really, that's really it. I mean, it, it's something that, you know, it's taken years and years to cultivate the relationships I have. Um, and in this town, especially, it's hard to make real, real, authentic, genuine connections with people. And I think when you have that ability and when people see that you are who you say you are, uh, I often say this, and it's one of the things that makes me mentally gravitate towards the East Coast, is that, you know, the saying that, that I always tell people is East Coast people stabbing the front, West Coast people stabbing the back. And I'd rather know what's coming. And I'd rather know when someone's not a fan of mine or I'm not a fan of theirs, I'd rather be open and, and communicate that. Um, so I think those are the things that have really helped me get to where I am. Yeah. But you were on just thinking back when, when I lived in LA, it was the dawning, the dawn of reality TV. But I, I think really, honest to God, you were on the precipice if you of being a part of, if not being the original influencer. And so these people, if you think back, like the selfie, right, who was kind of a Kardashian Paris Hilton era thing, or, you know, being social media famous, you've seen this across the board from a business set of eyes. So what was that like? How have you gotten your foot in the door? Obviously, being honest and being genuine is a, is a key to life in anything. But a lot of people are honest and genuine. They might be in the, you know, service industry in, in Indiana, but you've done it in the most densely populated, high net worth, high profile uh, pocket in the entire world and you've thrived what, what 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 was what was that like who was the first person you met that was essentially a celebrity and you're like oh that was easy and now you know snowball a few decades later you you're the celebrity and they want to be around you so much so to where you started the business so what what was what was the first moment and, and what was the turning point for you personally well i think at an early age um i i got involved in nightlife hospitality and and hospitality in general the restaurant world the nightlife world uh, I don't drink or do drugs. It's not because of religious reasons. It's not because anything traumatic happened. I just was always the guy that was kind of in charge, always the guy that talked to the police, talked to the parents, talked to the security, you know, talked to the neighbors if I was throwing a party. Um, so I think for me, it was just being, treating everybody the same, whether you're the biggest of the biggest celeb to, you know, the smallest of the smallest, you know, PA, so to speak. Um, and uh, that was something that always served me well. And I think early on in nightlife, I met a couple of, of the biggest celebrities in the world, uh, including Leonardo DiCaprio and, and Jamie Foxx. And I think those people, I think people come at them in a certain way and people tend to forget that they're just real people, just like the rest of us. Uh, I often say, if, you know, if you punch Leo in the stomach, he's gonna react the same way if you punch, you know, Rogers Healy in the stomach, it's going to be like, what, what the heck was that all about? Like, why'd you do that? You know, we both, we both are so ripped that we won't even feel it. It's going to yeah. hurt the person's <laughs> hand that punches us. Well, you can keep living in that fantasy, but um, 
you know, it's just one of those things. And I, and I think that when you're, especially when you're at that level that those guys are at, when they meet somebody that's just kind of real and just treats them, you know, like a normal person, it sounds crazy, but something as simple as that goes, goes a long way. Uh, and once you have people like that in your, in your corner, then everything just kind of steamrolls, you know, because again, in this day and age, if somebody sees you talking to Leonardo DiCaprio automatically, they're like, Oh, well that guy's Leo's talking to that guy. He must be a good guy or he must be a nice guy or he must be connected. Um, and then it just kind of goes from that. So you say that, and, and, and I, I, a question that I think all of us have wanted to ask you for a long time, what do you do? Like, what, like what, what do you do? How would you go describe to somebody on the street? They meet you, maybe they follow you online. They, you're, you're, you're not, you cannot miss Dave O, period. The, the, the point of my uh, career, my mission every day is to be unforgettable, and you cannot go a day without seeing me. You wrote the book. But what do you do? How would you describe what your actual career is in the world that you live in? Well, I think in, in simplest terms, uh, I would say almost like a, a producer. I'm a producer. But most people refer to me as kind of a, a connector or a fixer. And uh, a few people have coined the term, I'm, I'm the nice Ray Donovan. So I'm not, you know, discarding of, of bodies and, uh, and putting out those type of fires. But I'm helping people. I get calls like, what do I get my mom for Christmas? I'm like, I don't know your mom. You know, let's talk about your mom. And people talk to me about their families and, and I'm an outside the box thinker. So I come up, you know, with creative or genuine things. And it's, it's usually something that, that strikes a chord for people. And how um, does your compensation work? Are these people, they're paying you percentage of the, of the total cost? Is it like on retainer? So I, so I refuse to take money from talent. I think that's one of the reasons that the talent, you know, also likes me and trusts me because I think generally people are coming after them. People want something from them. I'm, I'm the opposite. I'm bringing them opportunities. I will not take money from them. I take money from brands on the, on the back end. So uh, to answer your question, yeah, I'm on multiple retainers with, with multiple companies and my specialty is kind of blowing up brands and getting the general public to know certain brands and, and certain things. And that goes everywhere from eyewear to uh, electric bikes to jewelry. So, you know, pretty much anything, arcade games. Um, so really anything that you could think of, if it's something that I feel a connection to or a passion to and something that I think is going to hit something that's a little bit different, um, then I'll, I'll pursue that and, and get that out to the masses. This was the perfect segue into the next question because you mentioned about playing the connecting game and being a part of blowing things up. And then you mentioned eyewear, sunglasses, Preve Reveau. Just It just sounds fancy. It just sounds like I need it. And I know that was one of the companies that you helped uh, originate and you play the connecting game. So with that, I know you had a big hand in that, but how did you even go and find the celebrity endorsers and go and kind of vet through your Rolodex, which is obviously it lives right here, but what was the process for that? Obviously turned into an incredibly successful company. Yeah, well, it, it happened very organically and, and very easy. What happened was uh, Jamie Foxx was going to Las Vegas. He had an appearance in Vegas. He forgot his sunglasses, which is something that any person has done before, you know, going somewhere, you forget your shades. And he pulled into a gas station. He bought like a $15, $17 pair of sunglasses. He put them on. 
he went to this event in Vegas and everybody was like, oh my God, what are those? Those are so cool. Oh my God, Jamie Foxx has the coolest sunglasses on. And he called me and he goes, Davo, I don't know what to do. Like people are asking me if these are like Versace or Ferragamo. And he's like, they were $17 gas station sunglasses. And he goes, can we get into an eyewear company? And I said, I got a guy because I'm blessed enough. And I've been doing this for so many years that I have a guy for everything. And I was like, I actually, I have a sunglass guy. And he, he's like, you got to be kidding me. So I got the sunglass guy and Jamie on the phone. We came up with the idea following the model of him buying cheap sunglasses at gas station. Let's create a, a designer brand of sunglasses that are really well made, but they're affordable for the general public. And that was really the way that that started and really the story, the seed that planted uh, for that to kind of take off. And then that turned into, all right, well, we have Jamie Foxx, but let's kind of manipulate social media for good, not evil. Let's get four different celebrities. It'll cover, cover four different demographics. Uh, so we included uh, Jeremy Piven, we included Ashley Benson, and we included Haley Seinfeld. And let's blanket social media, have them talk about the sunglasses, have them talk to their celebrity friends about the sunglasses, gift sunglasses to their celebrity friends, and then organically, everybody just started talking about it. So, so you, you mentioned um, uh, three more massive names. What, what's the vetting process for you? Obviously, you're, you're a wanted man. Your time is very valuable, and you are, you're everywhere. New York, Vegas, L.A., Milan, London, Tokyo, wherever the heck you are. I mean, it's, it's where in the world is, is Dave Osako, San Diego. But what's your process for essentially taking on a new influencer as a business owner, as a connector? What does that look like for you? Well, I think, uh, you know, the process is you have to know, you have to know talent um, and you have to know if there's a niche that they're trying to fill. And when we looked at it, I knew that Jamie was kind of, you know, the low hanging fruit because it was something that he kind of came up with, like we kind of came up with together. Um, I knew that Jeremy Piven was into fashion and I knew that Jeremy wore sunglasses all the time. And so that was that was incredibly easy. And then on the female side, I thought of, of people that, that had some success, that had a great following on social media. At the time, I believe Ashley had like 17, 18 million followers when, when that was a big, big number. I think she's at 25 million now. And Haley Seinfeld was kind of, she was on the rise. So she was somebody that was like really starting to break through and her career was really starting to take off. And I just saw her as, as a great fit. Also, for the most part, these people have, you know, good reputations. They have recognizable characters. I mean, for Piven, obviously, to get him where everybody just thinks of him as Ari Gold or thinks of him as Mr. Selfridge, um, which is another successful show that he had, it's, it, it was really easy to get people excited about that. Um, and we got very, very fortunate because Jennifer Lopez, who's obviously a massive name, in entertainment and in fashion, she just ended up happening to like our glasses. And Jennifer Lopez started wearing our glasses all the time. We didn't give Jennifer Lopez a penny. She just liked the glasses. Wow. She started wearing them. And then it was like, oh my God. And by the way, all the glasses were $29.99. So the idea again was to make an affordable product that the general consumer could purchase. We're not, we weren't promoting a four or $500 pair of sunglasses. And that came from 
most sunglasses and, and most products, to be quite honest, are very inexpensive. You just throw on a designer label or a designer name, and all of a sudden you can charge a ridiculous amount of money. Most glasses cost between $199 and $799 to make, but you throw Prada on the side of it and you can charge $600. Bucks. And, you know, people go for that. So our idea was let's use the same materials as all these other companies. You know, we're not using gold. We're not using ivory. We're not using, you know, these, these crazy materials. Let's use what they use and let's make something that people can afford. And it, it, it was so awesome because I, I remember I was in a situation where Haley Seinfeld and I, I think we were at an airport and this family came up to us and they said, oh my God, they saw my hat, which is the, the Purvey logo. And they go, oh my God, um, we love your brand. And we just want to thank you for making something that we could actually buy our daughter. Because we can spend 30 bucks on a pair of glasses. We can't spend 400 bucks on a pair of glasses. And that was a really great feeling. Do you, do you feel like you bring the special sauce, not just with the connecting game, but also from the business sense? Is that you've got a different background, different type of education where like a Haley Steinfeld, she was a child actor, you know, and, I, and Jamie Foxx has been doing this forever. J Jeremy Piven was a child actor. Ashley Benson, I think was as well. But do you think that you bring a different sense of uh, business savvy that gives them a different confidence as well? Well, I think that fortunately or unfortunately for me, I'm not driven by, by money. I'm driven by connection. Um, and that's why I live in a nice house instead of living in a palatial, you know, crazy mansion. Um, but I've always been somebody that for me, it's about, like I said, connecting as crazy as that sounds. And I think that talent specifically can kind of weed through people that are after them for, for a specific reason, or they can see somebody that's genuine and wants to actually do good. And again, it goes back to, I don't ever want to take from talent. I always want to bring as opposed to take. So uh, at least with them, and, and that makes it really interesting. And I think that builds a, a level of trust and a level of confidence. And, you know, let's, let's face it. When you approach somebody and you say, well, hey, Jamie Foxx, the most talented human on this planet, is going to be involved in this brand, it makes people raise an eyebrow and go, wow, you know what? Yeah, if Jamie Foxx is involved, then it might not be the worst thing if I get involved. Who would be the celebrity that you would meet knowing that you've met kind of everybody that would you get nervous around? Like, uh, you know, it's funny. I, it sounds crazy, but I've been exposed to it for so many years yeah. that I don't really get nervous around anybody. I do get, if I get excited, yeah. I get excited uh, surprisingly around reality show really? people because they're just, you know, regular, regular people. And so you know, you, you follow these people on reality shows and you watch them and it's like, oh my God, like that, that's kind of exciting. I, I don't know why it's, it's definitely a different, uh, a different reaction than you would think. Um, but as far as the big mainstream names, I mean, there's, I, I've been blessed to kind of meet everybody. So it, it's not that big of a deal. And again, it goes back to that theory that everybody's human. Well, does it, not to make it awkward, but you might not remember my stint on the Ashley Simpson show. And I don't know if you're I, I do. all of a sudden if you're starstruck by my suit and tie. Um, and I'm glad that we're far enough away that you're not going to want to kidnap me. But I did have, um, you know, a, a role in one of the most successful shows in the history of television ever that was almost two seasons long. So um, what were you going to say? Yeah. 
we don't we don't really have to talk about that no we don't and i've never seen it i'd love to see it if you're watching ashley um congrats on getting married and having children and for your mother-in-law being one of the greatest performers of all time diana ross good lord that that what yeah. a what a cool story that is um you remember your first like humbling experience in, in the world of celebrity where you know people maybe didn't treat you with respect and you can say names or, or, or not say names but you remember the first time you're just like oh my gosh Right. Like this saying is you don't want to meet your heroes. You don't want to volunteer at church. But what, what was that first moment? One million percent. And it's uh, one of the things that helped me learn to deal, I think, with talent moving forward. It was really significant for me. And I'm actually glad that it happened. Um, growing up, uh, I was really close to Jose Canseco, surprisingly, oh. and, and Mark McGuire. The Bash um, Brothers. The Bash Brothers from the Oakland A's, one of my mom's best friends was like Jose's godmother or something like that. So when I was really young, um, they had a lot of success. And, you know, we would go meet Jose at the, at the hotel that the team stayed at. And, you know, we would spend, spend the night at the hotel and we would drive to the stadium with him and go to the games. And oh my gosh. One, one game after a game in Anaheim, when they were playing the Angels, uh, he had somebody grab me and they brought me into the locker room. And so I'm in the locker room. I was a little kid. Yeah, oh I'm, I, I'm in the locker room and I'm walking around and I'm, I'm among these giants. They look like dinosaurs to me. And uh, I remember there was a shortstop for the A's named Walt Weiss. Yeah, and he was like with the, the glasses. smallest. Yeah, he was the smallest normal sized human in the room. So I felt safe with him. The rest of the guys, I was like, <laughs> this is insane. And uh, I remember Jose gave me a ball and he gave me a pen and he said, go around and get autographs from everybody. And so I went around and, you know, I just said, hi, I'm Dave. And would you sign my baseball? And everybody was super cool. I had like an A's hat on and people couldn't have been nicer. And I get to one player who was retired uh, who's very, very well known. There's a candy bar named after him. And he uh, has a nickname of Mr. October uh, because he was so successful uh, when the Yankees were a really, really good team. And he was one of their star players. And I went up to him and I said, hey, I'm sorry to bother you, sir. I was wondering if you could sign my, my ball. And he turns to me and he goes, who the hell are you, kid? Uh, and I'm like, excuse me? And uh, literally my, my heart shattered into a thousand pieces like uh, shattered into a thousand pieces and i remember i i had like tears in my eyes like i remember i i was like i wouldn't allow myself to cry but like my eyes were filled with water and i went over to jose and jose goes is everything okay and i said yeah everything's okay but i i think i upset one of the coaches he, he was he was now a hitting coach and um he goes what are you talking about he played for the and, 80s, didn't he yeah, he did play for the A's. And he goes, uh, what are you talking about? And I go, I, I don't know what happened. Everybody was signing my ball. And, and so he grabbed me, Jose grabbed me and took me over to him and said, hey, he's like, stop being a jerk. You know, sign, sign my little nephew's ball or whatever. And he goes, okay, fine. And he snatches the ball from me. And I don't know what came over me. But in that second, I said, you know what, sir? It's okay. I don't want you to sign my ball. And that was like a really significant moment in my life because oh my it God. just made me, it made me realize how these are just regular people. 
You know, they're yeah. just regular, regular people that have, you know, tremendous talents in some cases, but I didn't need a ball signed by that guy. You know what I mean? And so it really changed my perspective on things at a very early age. And then after that, I was never phased by meeting anybody. Wow. Reggie Jackson, you prick. Uh, <laughs> so Jose Canseco is your uncle? No, no. He just said that. By the but way, everyone, just... I can't be the only one. I was waiting for you to say Jose Canseco was the jerk. But I, I right. would the, Bar the Bash brothers, they were, they were, they were, they were gods to me and, and still are. Oh, yeah. I, if I saw Jose Canseco in public, I would freak out. Literally, I would yeah. freak out. I remember one time he was bowling with you. He was bowling at a Lucky Strike, I think the day that Ashley filmed her show at the bowling alley. And he was on the other side of there. Yeah. And his biceps were the size of my head. And I couldn't even come up and say anything to him because it just, you know, brings back all those memories. But Mr. October, you suck. Um, well, okay. you get very, you get very excited. You would be, you would freak out if you met Flo from the progressive commercials. I mean, well, you're, you're easily entertained. <laughs> well, the thing with Flo though, she's such a true talent because she just morphs into all these different characters and again, just makes you, makes you in a great mood, but I've been humbled too. And I think that with that, you know, I've always been pleasantly surprised that the, the bigger the star, the, the kinder they are. And there's been a few times where I remember um, the first moment when I lived in LA and I thought I was going to be a star and somebody who was just really rude to me was Polly Shore. And I remember he was walking with Rodney Dangerfield and I said something to him and I was like, I'm out here to be a successful actor. And he just laughed at me and I was like, you're five foot one. What, like, why are you so rude? And it was right outside the comedy store. And then I realized it's because his mom actually started the comedy store. Um, okay. So yeah. back, back to the balance piece of, of what we're talking about with the amount of success and connections and just leverage that you've had since a, a young child, obviously with the perspective, you probably haven't faced challenges that most people do with remaining consistent. But if you have, um, you know, what would be your trick for, for all of us that are paying attention today? How would we go and get inside your head to just live life like everybody as important as everyone else, whether it's a PA, whether it's an Oscar winner, whether it's your veterinarian, whatever it is, what's your secret sauce for remaining just such a genuinely kind person? Well, I just think the secret sauce is my love for other human beings, you know, and um, that's, that's super, super genuine. And again, you know, whether somebody owns the, the casino or works at the casino, I'm going to treat them exactly the same, whether somebody owns the studio or picks up trash at the studio, I'm going to treat them the same. And I think it's very interesting because I think people take notice to that, at least in, in my situations where I've been in situations where the person that owns the studio sees me be kind to the person that's cleaning up the studio. And they're like, wow, you know, that's, that's pretty, that's pretty cool. So I don't know, you know, where that comes from. I don't know if it had to be with, you know, deal with being an only child and just wanting to love everybody and accept everybody. Um, there's no real significant special thing. It's just kind of in my DNA and, and, and who I am. Um, and I think I was very much a product of my parents growing up and I was surrounded with a tremendous amount of love and I was very, very blessed and very, very lucky. So I think that's kind of where it comes from. Do you remember the time you weren't loving to me in your car? when we were driving and yes, you almost kicked me out on the 405. I did. I came yeah. very, very close. Um, and people that do know, you know, this is a, a problem for you. <laughs> uh, I, I don't want to say on, on the air that you have 
IBS, but you definitely have IBS. a very a very active digestive system. Hey. And I, I, I was very excited. I had a car that I worked hard for and, and I was happy to have. And, you know, people were always respectful of my car and you couldn't keep it together and, and, and hold, you know, something in and you had to release it into my vehicle. And it was very sad to me. I was very upset. He was visibly, visibly mad. And ever since then, I've been trying to earn my, my friendship points back. Um, what, what about this? What about from uh, just a life perspective? What's the best advice you've ever received? Best advice uh, I've ever received is to be comfortable in my own skin, um, to accept the person that I am. You know, uh, there's a lot of, there's a lot of better looking people. There's a lot of funnier people. There's a lot of more successful people, but I'm not talking about you. I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about me. Um, <laughs> I, I knew where you were headed. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, I think when you can be comfortable with yourself and you accept yourself and realize you're kind of stuck with you, I think everything that's supposed to happen happens. And I think once you accept that and, and you learn to like yourself, then great things can, can happen in your life. Easier I think it's the people that, what's that? That it's easier said than done. You know? Yeah, but what do you, not what for you, you but I think for the people like me, even like, you know, I, I, I don't know if it's identity struggle, but trying to figure out really who you are is maybe never accomplished for a lot of people. Yeah. I mean, there's some truth to that, but like you, you're incredibly successful and you maybe ended up not doing, you wanted to be an actor and, and that's something that you want to do. And your life didn't go that route, but you accepted your place in life and you accepted and took on something else and you exploded and, you know, you became one of the best at what you do. And that's an incredible accomplishment. And you've created all these opportunities now and you own an incredibly successful company and you're on billboards and you, you know, you're everywhere. And so that's something that you did, but I, I think accepting the, the cards that are dealt to you is incredibly important. Like right now I'm going through a health issue where I, I had a botched hernia surgery and it's been a four year nightmare and I'm hooked up to a machine. Even as, as we speak on this podcast, there's nothing I can do about that. It's, it's what was supposed to happen to me. It's, it's done. So I can either be pissed off and be angry about it and be upset and just sit in a dark room and cry about it, or I can accept it. There's nothing I can do. Either I, I do this or I don't get healthy. And so all you can do is, is go forward sometimes. And I think if you apply that to everything in life, then I think you will get the, the you will reap the rewards that you're looking for. Man, such, such wise words. You're, you're such a you are, man. You're, you're such, you're one of your gifts among many is your communication style is so eloquent, but it's not ever complex. It's very easily, to, it's very easy to digest. And I've always, always respected that about you. How, how do you maintain your balance where you, both of us, I think we go, you know, 25 hours a day and we go a million miles a second. And I think I always struggle with work-life balance just in general. And obviously you throw a wife and a child in the mix, it, it, it gives you a different perspective and I still struggle with it. But how, how do you actually maintain any kind of balance in your life? Well, I think, and you know this as well as anybody, I think the concept of family is something that over the years is, is starting to disappear. Yeah. There, 
really are. And, and that's, that is another difference between the West Coast and the Midwest and the East Coast and all of that. I think this world would be a much, much better place if families did something as simple as sat and ate together. Yeah. Because that is something that's so incredibly important, especially for young kids that are going through so many challenges and, you know, dealing with, with dilemmas with drugs and school shootings and sexual yeah. identity and all these type of things. And when the concept of family exists and, and you can sit and break bread, you know, with the people that, that made you and the people that raised you, I think that makes a huge difference. And for me, that was something that was critical in my upbringing was, you know, my family, my parents and I, and my we sat and we ate dinner and we talked about politics and we talked about problems and we talked about bullying and we talked about, you know, crime and we talked about all these things and we talked about sex and we talked about everything that you need to talk about. Reggie and I think Jackson. in today's day, Reggie Jackson, I think in today's day and age, people don't have that relationship with their immediate family. There's very few families that sit and eat dinner together and, and communicate. And so I think that's vitally important. And I think that's one of the things that, at least out here, that doesn't really exist. You know, people don't sit and eat dinner together unless it's at some fancy restaurant. And, and that's not a real situation you know and i think that i always laugh because when i was growing up i used to love going to lincoln nebraska and people are like are you crazy that's like the most boring place in the world and i'm like yeah but for me it's it's foreign it's the complete opposite of what i'm used to in la and like the perfect day in lincoln nebraska is everyone goes to church and then they go to walmart afterwards and then they go to dairy queen like that's incredible yeah. You know what I mean? Like what a, what a great day, you yeah. know, and that generally involves, you know, their family. And so it's something that that's, that's really, really cool. So how do I maintain the balance? You know, uh, I'm a mama's boy. I, I, I make my mother a priority. I spent a lot of time with her. Um, and I have a, a, a whole entire group of friends that could care less about Hollywood and could care less about that life. Um, they're, they're fascinated by a lot of the stories and they're intrigued by a lot of the things I get to do, but you know, they're like a group of nerds that we talk about like star Wars movies. And we talk about like, you know, simple things in life. And when bad things happen to me, those are the people that, that I go to and that, that I talk to. It's called a real friend, you know? And I, yeah. and I think that's where you and I connect on a different level too, is that, um, I don't know. I remember going through multiple phases of my life when, when success was kind of happening and I thought I wanted to be friends with everybody and they wanted to be friends with me. And then some of them had ulterior motives. And, you know, I think editing as an adult, especially in the world of, uh, of business and success is a really hard and also easy decision to make, but you still cling for the genuine. That's why I love you. Like I've known you for a very long time. You're a, a great friend. And, and that's what we are to each other, but it, it's just hard to find. And I think that you've got to, you got to cling to those people because they keep you grounded, you know? Yeah. Um, so uh, as far as how we can support you with all the businesses you've got going on, the people that are watching today and, and watching later on, how do we go and support your businesses? What, 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 where can you send us? I mean, you know, I, I, I'm not someone that wants to, uh, if it's, if it's genuine, it's organic, then I want to be supported, but I never want to, you know, oversell. Um, it's You're funny because at in, in an early age, someone told me they're like, you would be such a great salesperson. And I'm like, but I don't, I actually don't like business. I like connecting. 
And through connecting, I've been able to, to create businesses. But again, it's one of those funny things because, and I, I mean this with all sincerity, I'm, I'm not driven by, by stuff. Um, and I'm very, very blessed. And don't get me wrong. I love, I love money like everybody else. And, you know, one thing that was a big slap in the face for my ego and to myself was when I realized that I've become a little bit of a jerk because I can no longer fly coach. You know, I, I like that to me is a problem. Like that's Whoa. something that I need, I need to work on because I got used to traveling a certain way. Yeah. And once you travel first class, it's really difficult to go, to go back. And it's so ridiculous because it's so outrageous. The difference in price is just ridiculous. It's yeah. like embarrassing, you know? And um, it's funny because I, you know, when I was little, I would walk onto a plane with my parents and I would see that first class cabin and it just seemed like such a, like another planet to me, like a yeah. planet that I would never be able to set foot on. And now I see that and little kids, when they're getting on the plane, they see me in my stupid first class seat and I can see them looking at like, wow, why is his seat so much better than the seat I'm going to be in? You know? So it's one of those things. Don't get me wrong. Like those type of little perks in life are, are, are awesome. But if you're going to sell your soul to get to those places, then it's, it's definitely not, not worth it. Sage advice. Uh, and Dave, we call that a first world problem, but I get it. And here's the thing too. I don't know the last time I saw a picture of Dave on a commercial airplane because Dave also is not afraid to fly on a PJ. Um, <laughs> Man, I, but as far as where we can go and purchase stuff, where like you're in the world of business as well, how do we go buy some of your sunglasses? Uh, well, that's preveravo.com, P R I V E R E V A U X, preveravo.com. Um, the majority of them, again, are, are very affordable, $29.99, um, which is awesome. And, you know, then I work with a company called BRP and Can Am which they make four-wheelers, they make uh, Sea-Doo's, they make these cool bikes called Rikers and Spiders, which are like three-wheel bikes. Um, I work with an electric bike company called Super 73, which is awesome. I work with an arcade company called Arcade 1UP that actually their business exploded during the pandemic because yeah. people were didn't have anything to do and kind of got in touch with the inner child. And so this is a company that makes replicas of like Pac-Man machines and Street Fighter and, you know, uh, Golden Tee, all those great games that we played growing up. Um, and, you know, I could go on and on and on. We'd be here for another hour if, if I talked about all the all the brands that I'm involved Just with. Just give us your Instagram name. Uh, at Dave O. Philly, D-A-V-E-O Philly. Dave I o. Philly. promise you, you will not be disappointed, everybody. Twitter, Instagram, Facebook uh and and dave i this has been such a a fun conversation we've had bits and pieces of this over the past 20 years but uh you know how loved you are uh and you know how people just uh, revere you and, and your spirit and your consistency and when i thought about doing a podcast you're the first person i thought of um in large part because you are what i want to be like and um you've done all this with just such a kind and uh gentle and servant's heart that I really hope people can appreciate the fact that just because you are selling, which you sell every single day because you sell yourself, you're not a sellout. 
And um, that's what makes your mom so proud of you among everything else. And that was, that's what makes me proud to be your friend. So um, thanks for being a part of this. Thanks for being a part of my life. And um, thanks for sharing your journey with us. I appreciate it, brother. And, you know, you got to take a look in the mirror because everything that I've accomplished, you've done that and in, in, in tenfold. And now yeah. you create this beautiful little human being that uh, yeah. is going to just rule the world. And I know how much joy that's brought you. And I, I can't be any more happier for you and Abby Thank than you. I am. I love you, man. I love you too. Dave Osco, and that's how you sell without selling out. Roger's that.